You know, on this uh, Memorial Day weekend, we rightly honor those who have served our fallen heroes. I think this is a good thing that our country does. And as I thought about this message, I realized that someday all of us will have a Memorial Day. It will be a day when people will gather and they will remember us. And I remember a story by Tony Campolo, who's one of my all-time favorite preachers. And he said this. He said, each year our church has a student recognition day. On one such Sunday, after several students have given their reports, my pastor delivered some closing words to the students. Campolo uh, attends an African-American church. African-American pastors, I have discovered in my journeys, are a little bit blunter (laughs) than we are sometimes in these dignified places. (laughs) They go after it hard. And so his address to the kids said this, Children, you're all going to (laughs) die. It's a good message, isn't it? (laughs) Right straight to the point. And he says, one of these days, they're going to take you out to the cemetery. They're going to drop you in a hole. They're going to go back to the church and eat potato salad. (laughs) Are people on that day going to stand around reciting fancy titles you earned? Or are they going to stand around giving testimonies of the good things you did for them? He says, don't get me wrong, children. (laughs) You can picture the pastor doing this. There's nothing wrong with titles. But if it ever comes down to a choice between a title or a testimony, you go. You go for that testimony. It's a good word. Go for the testimony. You know, wouldn't it be a shame if at the end of our life, all we left behind is the memory that we succeeded in the things that really didn't matter? And that we didn't get to the task of doing the things and being the person that does matter. We're going to take a look at this today. The sermon's called, when fools, when fools Rush In. And we're going to read from Scripture as we start. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20. Will you read it with me? So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools but like those who are wise, but of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do you ever get the sense that this crazy world of ours is filled with fools? (laughs) Do you ever say that? Watch something on TV and they go, ah, he's a fool. How many of you know fools? (laughs) How many of you are married to one? (laughs) Be careful, be careful. We don't want this to be your Memorial Day. Okay. uh. You know, sometimes when I open up the doorway of my life, I just sense fools are rushing right past me and over me. And they're doing their best to recruit me. (laughs) And maybe they already have. And they start filling every nook and cranny I look into. And I don't know about you, but I sometimes yearn to find truly wise people. Charles Stanley is a highly regarded preacher. 
And actually, he's the second best preacher in his family. Son Andy is really good. But Charles said in an interview on CBN, uh, he, he started to define in this interview what a wise person looks like from a biblical perspective. And Stanley said, the Bible says that, first of all, God is the one that gives wisdom. But a person first needs to desire to be wise. And if you were to ask the average person that you know and, and who are Christians, are you seeking wisdom, they would probably look at you with a blank face. First of all, there's too many people that don't realize the importance of it. They just take for granted that they are wise. And secondly, they have no earthly idea about how to acquire wisdom for their life. When asked how to acquire wisdom, he said, number one, I think you have to want to be wise. Secondly, I think you have to go to a place where you find wisdom, and that's in God's Word. Don't just get information, but begin to meditate on the Word of God. Understand the ways of God. You know, understand what God is saying in his word, and then obey his word. Not only that, but if I want to be wise, I'm going to, I'm going to talk to people that are wise, people who are wise in the way that they live, how they work, how God blesses them, the consequences of their conduct and their obedience and so forth. Stanley said, I think all of these are ways that a person begins to understand and learn to be wise. You know, I think Pastor Stanley is right. Wisdom from a biblical perspective starts with a desire to obtain it. Uh, we have to understand that it is a gift of God and is nurtured by the habit of curiosity, which I think is uh, missing in today's world. But Stanley's statement that many Christians take for granted they are wise when the truth of the matter is that they're probably not that's fairly sobering, isn't it? So if many who call themselves Christians are not truly wise but think they are, could they be what Paul is calling fools? And is it possible, I'm not pointing any fingers, that maybe some of us are fools It's a slap in the face almost, isn't it? When I read that passage, I had to start asking myself some very difficult questions even about the conduct and capacity of my own life. So how do you know if someone is truly wise and not just learnedly foolish? <laughs> Here's what I see. When I see someone wise, I almost always see someone whose life story intersects with God's story in such a profound way that it's clear that they are becoming more and more and more and more and more and more and more like Jesus. Their story intersects with God's story in such a way that it's such a profound impact that life change occurs. And they have this ability to balance truth and grace in, in, in artful ways. Wise people don't confuse their preferences for their convictions. Their life is truly grace-filled, 
lacking over-the-top judgment and self-serving pietism. And I've discovered a truly wise person has a very distinct identity. They see themselves as first and foremost being a citizen of the kingdom of God, serving the king of kings and lord of lords. And that citizenship trumps being a Republican. It trumps being a Democrat. It trumps being a father or a mother or a grandmother or a grandfather or the CEO of the biggest corporation in the city of Chicago. That identity trumps it all, and by trumping it all, I mean that identity informs everything that they do. It's the place they start, and it's the place that they end. Those people, those citizens of the kingdom of God, are marching always to the beat of a different drummer, and it is noticeable. When I'm around someone who has that identity, I see someone who is convinced that Jesus really is the vine and they are the branches. They are always seeking God first. They believe that all Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our life and corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. And that's when I see somebody that's truly wise. They know this book. And when I open their book or their iPad, <laughs> I can see where they underline. And I see the notes in the margin. And I see lists of people that they are praying for. They're saying, I need to get God guidance from Almighty God. And I have to start here. They have something to say because they have a deep resource of biblical knowledge. Is that you? When things come out of your mouth, does it come out of a rich pool of biblical knowledge? Or are we parroting something that we heard someplace, somewhere along the line? maybe from our favorite TV pundit. Wise person is a person of the book. And when we do seek wisdom, God seems to move us in some very interesting ways. A couple of weeks ago, I gave a sermon called Where's God uh, at the Contemporary Services. And I said in that sermon that God quite often takes his people on a journey of discomfort. Do you buy that? Just look at the early church. Everyone was asked to move towards and then out of their comfort zone. Paul had to man up in front of those he persecuted. Ananias was asked by God to go to Paul, whom he mistrusted. Jewish believers were asked to open their arms to the Gentiles the rich were asked to share their wealth with the poor. Others gave up everything to become itinerant preachers. 
And, that, and the end result was this, is that when people would ask, where's God? They could point in the direction of the believers, and they would say, it appears that a powerful God inhabits the lives of those people. They are different as a result of knowing him. And that was so attractive, people flocked to the faith, even though they knew that they could be imprisoned or killed. The wise people of God know that God isn't satisfied with us just hunkering down in holy huddles of complacency. No. He doesn't want us just pointing our fingers, staying rigid and inflexible in our thinking. And wise people know that God will often push us in the direction of our discomfort in order to do the necessary work in our lives so they can accomplish in our lives what he wants to accomplish in this world. And if you don't believe it, just ask Moses. Just ask Esther. Ask Joseph of Nazareth. Ask Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ask Nicodemus. Ask Abraham. Ask Joseph of Egypt. Ask David. Ask any of the biblical characters that we admire and they're asked to move both towards their discomfort, but move towards their discomfort to do something they really didn't want to do because they needed to do it so God could grow them up and in the process help grow the kingdom of God here on this earth. But wouldn't it be nice if God's ways were more like our ways? I mean, what if God just would say this? Instead, instead of saying, move towards your discomfort, what if you just look at us and say, okay, folks, here's, here's your divine assignment. This is what I want you to do. Eat a lot. <laughs> Spend a lot. Above all else, be as trendy as you possibly can. Don't be caught dead being out of fashion. And please, don't keep up with the Joneses. No, beat them, beat them, surpass them in every possible way you can. That's not the way God speaks, is it? But how many live life if that's the message, if it's as if that's the message of God for them? Are they being wise? Or are they being foolish? You know, it's almost counterintuitive the way God works at times. I remember uh, in the 1980s, moving to Sparks, Nevada. Have you ever been to Sparks? One one person. It's right next to Reno. They say it's so close to hell you can see Sparks. And, uh, And I was asked to start Young Life which is a ministry to kids, high school kids, in the state of Nevada. And the local board of Young Life insisted that I start Young Life at Reno High School. And Reno High School at the time was the Hinsdale Central, the York, the uh, Lions Township of high schools. It was big, it was uh, bold, it served upper-class kids, and their parents had money and influence. And the thinking was this. If you make Reno the flagship, every other high school will fall in the line. Every other high school. And eventually we'll get to them all, including 
Hug High School. Hug was uh, filled with poor kids, the highest minority enrollment, uh, kids who lived in uh, single and double-wide trailers out in the desert valleys, kids whose parents didn't have a whole lot of money and certainly not a lot of influence. And so the wisdom of the day was that Reno High was the only logical and wise place to start a ministry. But God had other ideas. For weeks, I tried to meet kids from Reno High School. I tried to get a hearing in front of pastors whose churches served that constituency. I tried everything I could, and I met failure at every turn of the road. And the only kids I could meet and the only pastors that were talking to me were the ones that serve Hug High School. <laughs> and I was discouraged. I was a young pup. I was only learnedly wise. <laughs> I wasn't biblically sound. I thought for sure that if you're going to start a ministry, you go to where the money is. And God stopped every single move in that direction. Was it because he didn't love the kids at Reno High? No. It just said God's eye was on that little school on top of the hill in Reno, Nevada. My ways, the wise learn. My ways, says the Lord, your God, are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we started Young Life at Hug High School. And it was hard. We struggled to make budget. We didn't have access to influencers. But man, the kids flocked to what we were doing. And God was faithful. This past week, Young Life celebrated 35 years of telling kids about Jesus in northern Nevada. 35 years. And it was built on the foundation of the weakest and the poorest and least influential people. Go figure, huh? Only God. Now, by the way, in, in other places and other times, the Reno High of a particular town might be the place God would want somebody to start. But for me, he was trying to teach me a lesson. He was trying to teach our board a lesson. He was saying... Sometimes what you think is best is not the way I want to run the ship. And he says, go to hug. Go to hug. Go to hug. Let me ask you something. How is God moving you to embrace what makes you uncomfortable or appears counterintuitive? Do you listen for God's voice, his wise voice nudging you out of your comfort zone? Or do you resist even trying to hear? It's an important question. It's an important question I ask myself all the time. When I meet someone that I think is wise in the ways of God, I usually see someone quite willing to expand their point of view by engaging with the culture they live in and not running from it. And you talk to that wise person of God about Muslims 
and they'll reference a Muslim friend. You talk with them about the big issue of immigration, and they'll tell you about the illegal immigrants that they know. If you talk to them about the gay agenda, they are, agenda, they are conversant with the deeper issues of the conversation. They can talk about issues that go beyond the soundbite and the flippant remark. Wise people, I find, read and, read and watch well. And they listen to people who challenge their thinking. And because of their acquired knowledge and because of the relationships they've cultivated, they get a hearing to speak into the lives of the people that God knows are far from him. Does that describe you? And when he asked the wise whether or not they're worried about the slippery slope leading towards this big old cultural abyss somewhere, you heard about that? They will argue that they find life and meaning being God's representative on that slippery slope. And no, they are not afraid because no matter what happens, all is still good in the unshakable, unfragmented kingdom of God in which they find their meaning and purpose in their very being. And if you push them further, they will say that being God's ambassador in the tough, dark places, well, that makes them feel alive, really alive, really alive. In a day and age when people are talking about the slippery, slippery slope to who knows where, and are looking to the skies, praying for the good Lord to return to save us from all the bad things are happening, and trying to save the world by forwarding emails <laughs> to other people who forward emails, in the hope of doing that, that they will save the world. I get the sense that that's not what the wise are doing. The wise are usually charging up that slippery slope, thanking God for the opportunity, they ha- every opportunity they have to encounter people who do not yet know Jesus. And why would they do it? They would do it because that's where the action is. <laughs> that's where the action is. In all honesty, I think sometimes we as Christians get so complacent we don't have any action. (laughs) When that happens to me, I just got to pray, God, get me back in the game again. Just get me back in the game again. Because because it's, it's there in the midst of the action is where God's people have to be. That's where God's wisdom needs to be shared. That's where God's wisdom will take us and must take us. If our anger and frustration with our version of evil times ever takes our eyes off both the great commandment and the great commission, then we're fools. We're buying into lies. Who have you been meeting and praying for on your charge up the slippery slope? And so when I, when I think of the wise people I know, 
they are first and foremost kingdom people. They can talk winsomely about the kingdom of God, but more importantly, in all that they do, they are representing the king of kings. And they are okay. They are, are okay about walking to the beat of a different drummer, of having a different point of view, having a different opinion about things. They understand that a kingdom, that a citizen of the kingdom of God becomes an expert in what looks like downward mobility and upside-down thinking. And when I'm around wise people, they got stories to tell. <laughs> Not about something that happened 50 years ago. They got stories about what happened just yesterday. Does any of this describe you? If so, I can tell you this. I can't wait to go to your funeral. Well, I mean, I can, but I mean, I, I, I'm not wishing anything on you. Because there are going to be some great stories. And I like to go where the great stories are. Because they're not going to be talking about your titles. They're going to be talking about who you are as a person of God. And if that doesn't describe you, if in any way, sense, or uh, any way that you might think, hey, maybe I'm, I'm a bigger fool than people have told me I am. <laughs> people tell me that, that, me that, tell me that a lot. But if you don't see you yourself in any of those descriptions, maybe it would be wise just to linger here a while after the service and get right for God, with God and pray for that desire to become a wise person, a man or woman after God's own heart. I think he's beckoning us all to become wise, to leave the foolish things behind. And may it be so. May we resist becoming part of the rush of fools that we all know is so prevalent in this world. Amen. Let's pray. Almighty God, thank you uh, for the adventure that you want to take us all on. Lord, help us to pray for the desire to be wise and then to seek out wisdom. No matter what our age, if we're at the beginning of our life, we're coming towards what might be the end. Help us just to continue to make a difference in this world of ours. We pray, we pray this in your name, Lord. May it be so. And all God's people said, amen.